as politicians attempt to pass anti-trans and anti-drag laws, it's important to show up, speak out, and voice your opposition for the public record. Thankfully, rock and roll, once again, is here to save us. Today we take a look at the anti-trans, anti-drag, and anti-library laws being passed around the country. Joining us is queer musician Caleb DeCasper, who showed up at the Texas State Capitol to let legislators know that an intended ban on drag could have widespread negative effects on the whole music industry. The bans are not only discriminatory, but rotten for the economy. Plus, Lady Maga, a drag queen trumper, says she's no longer a drag queen, but a costume artist. Did Taylor Swift just come out by flying the lesbian flag colors during her concert? And a memorial for Jojo Baby will be held on Easter Sunday, April 9th from 7 to 11 at Metro in Chicago. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Before we begin, let's listen to a portion of Caleb DeCasper's testimony before the Texas state legislation in protest of anti-trans and anti-drag laws. Welcome, introduce yourself and go ahead with your testimony. Hi there, it looks like I'm gonna bring this thing home. I'm Caleb DeCasper and I've been a resident of Austin for seven years. I am opposed to both of the bills, SB 12, and the Drag Queens Reading to Kids bill. I'm a well-known and successful musician across Central Texas, and I wear both male and female clothing on and off stage. I hope that me talking to you today will show you that drag encompasses more than you think. First off, as a citizen, I'm deeply concerned with the amount of anti-LGBTQ plus bills making their way through this legislative session. When issues of homelessness and mental illness beleaguer our state, and we seem to have a problem with keeping the lights on in the winter, it doesn't feel appropriate to be concerned with drag queens at this time. As a small business owner, I have a concern that if this bill goes through, the fact that I wear high heels and makeup on stage, just like Kiss or Motley Crue do, would severely limit my options for doing business in this state. I wouldn't be booked for festivals such as ACL, or I could be arrested if there are children in the audience at music festivals, it it reads to me like. South by happened a couple weeks ago, and I was booked at storefronts, and I was booked at corporate events. If there were children there, I could have been arrested for making art because I wear high heels and lipstick when I perform with my band. Hello. Hi, is this Caleb DeCasper? Why, yes, it is. <laughs> we're here, we're queer, and she is used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and ready to testify about it. Yes, put me on the stand, bitch. <laughs> the Supreme Court might read what you had to say, huh? Yes, I hope they do, because I came in with a point on all this that they have not even considered yet. Right now in Austin, Texas, a lot of anti-drag and anti-trans legislation is being passed. And despite, like, today in Tennessee, in Nashville, there was a school shooting, and Republicans are okay with the bodies of children being piled up, and instead of going after the guns, they're going after LGBTQ people, specifically trans and drag is their, where they're setting their targets on. And here you are, and a lot of people are going to the state capitol and testifying before the legislation about why these laws are harmful. 
and you, Caleb, caused quite a commotion. Yeah, well, it it started because I posted a little Instagram post explaining the situation and why people should be active about it uh, the next day. And uh, that post overnight kind of blew up. Yeah, I got a little bit of virality to it. So um, people were messaging me, asking me questions, and I had to just like become a an expert lawyer overnight. <laughs> and uh, so you got like legal advice for dummies, yeah, and you were like yeah, reading it. You participated in a fabulous montage scene, and all of a sudden, you knew everything about it. Yes, <laughs> I am not a lawyer, so I cannot <laughs> offer legal advice, but uh, I had to know my shit really quick about what was going on in the process and things you can do to help. So I researched a lot through Equality Texas, which is the grassroots organization here um, for LGBTQ plus rights. And found out a lot of stuff. Um, it exploded. I can't tell you how many people came up to me at the Capitol that day and told me they were there solely because they saw my Instagram post. Had you planned on going or was it because you got such a reaction from the Instagram post? You're like, I got to now shit. Now I got to show up myself. <laughs> well, I'll tell the truth. I mean, I was like, I'll go if I can, because it was, it's just dumb. You know, it's dumb. And I didn't want to be a part of the circus in the beginning. Mm. But then I started looking more and more into it. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot going on here. Especially for somebody like you who sometimes likes to wear women panty, women's panties on stage. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> right? I mean, you don't identify as a drag queen, but you do some gender bending outfits. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what happened was I, I showed up and, you know, there were people from Corpus and Houston and Dallas who had told me they had driven to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we all signed up to testify and they pushed it back to the end of the day and made us all wait all day long, hoping we would give up or go to work. But, you know, we were we were gays on a mission. So we <laughs> stayed. Uh, they don't realize we all have part-time jobs and we all are very good at social media, so it only hurt them. Oh, because you guys probably all spent the whole day being like, hey, we're here, we're waiting. It's yeah. Happen. And so people start showing up. Yeah. More and more people came through. And at the end of it, I don't have official numbers, but I will tell you what is being told. Uh, at the end of it, it was close to 900 opposed to the bill, 20 in favor for cards that you can drop to show your opinion. And we had close to 100 oral testimonies against the bill, as well as, I think they said, 800 written testimonies against it. Mm. And why is it so important to go meet face-to-face -face with legislators who are clearly uh, trying to use, you know, transphobia, homophobia as a way to enrich themselves, to hold on to their power so they can, you know, do corrupt things to make them what sells money. Why is it important to go show up and confront these Republicans? So I'll tell you about the process of why it's mm -hmm. important, but then I want to tell you like what I got out of it, looking them in the face, you know? Yeah. So why it's important. I learned that day, they give you a crash course in like what you're doing and how to be better at it and things. Uh, so I learned that all of this testimony that you give that is on record for the bill. 
it's on record, it's in public record that this happened. It will always be there that 900 people were opposed when 20 people weren't. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then that carries over into the House if the Senate passes it, which they're expected to do. The House is has more members, so there's more possibility for people to be reasonable. Yeah. Come from liberal places and be more reasonable and debate amongst themselves. And they use that testimony to to fuel their debates. Now, if it goes what I was told was if it goes beyond that and becomes a law, when someone sues over the law, which they probably will, because it clearly violates your First Amendment rights, this one, all of that testimony can be used by lawyers who are, you know, arguing mm-hmm. that it's unconstitutional. And, you know, this is not just happening in the state of Texas. It's happening in Iowa and Tennessee I was looking into it. There are already people who are, who are starting lawsuits against those laws. Mm. And, you know, we're clearly against, you know, um, any kind of laws that curb people dressing the way they want to. And I was reflecting about this. It, you know, everybody's sort of talking, you know, RuPaul can't be bothered to talk about it being anti-trans in her statement. Uh, She made a statement on social media. She said the the voting is more powerful than any social media posts, sort of um, trying to absolve herself of why it took her so long to make a statement, because this stuff has been going on for the past year. Right. And, you know, drag queens do not run on time. (laughs) Drag queens run uh, late. But when they show up, they do make an impact. And, you know, I thought it was interesting that and I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this, that this is kind of like a covert thing to attack public libraries because, you know, libraries are sort of the backbone of where kids and adults without a lot of resources, get access to books, to films, to information and, and even courses and, and places to meet and to organize. It's places where people vote, you know? And so, you know, attacking these anti-drag and trans laws, is really also an attack on our public libraries as well. Attacking queer people is attacking freedom of expression. Right. It's attacking a liberated existence on this earth. And um, I was also told that as the... I was told that the best thing that you can do to combat this stuff is to show legislators that you're watching them because they will sit in their chambers all day and just pass things like crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then when they find out mindlessly, because Mm -hmm. this is me going on a ledge here, but they're being lobbied to do so. So they're going to do it. And because most people are too busy or not interested, these things happen. Well, and, and also, too, the Republicans are a lot of it. They're not interested in kind of making things better. They just want to create chaos. And this is definitely something that creates chaos for people because they feel like by just like, you know, when you kick it, uh, the platform out from underneath people, it's easier to take advantage of them. And so what they're trying to do is take advantage of society by keeping us confused about these kinds of things and maybe, you know, taking away uh, trans people's rights in the end. 
One, it's also yeah. getting us to fight about this as a, and, and battle this as opposed to talking about, you know, how food prices have gone up significantly and not just because of inflation. Like, so, you know, people are trying to enrich themselves as a consequence of the COVID pandemic and, and you know, the inflation that does happen. But, you know, the rise in cost of living in food and transportation and, and just living it has gone up so significantly and, you know, we're not able to sort of address that in an effective way because here we are just trying to basically keep ourselves and our friends and our families out of out of you know being arrested for existing. Right. It's it's a diversion. Queer people are being used right yeah. now as a diversion yeah. tactic against gun control, for example. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you've already said it, but I want to say it, too, because it's so true. Yeah. In, instead of. Going after gun violence, you're going to go after trans people who are hurting kids. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, did you get to check uh, Ben Delacrem's appearance on The Daily Show with Al Franken? I skimmed over it, yeah. Yeah, it was, I thought it was interesting that Al Franken, who is probably one of the most progressive people and you know served the good people of Minnesota for, for until he was, you know, until that scandal happened, which I think, I guess the woman that, that uh, got him involved in that scandal or reported him, she was being paid by right-wingers to escalate it. Um, there's a whole story about it in the New York Times. But uh, he says he's never been to a drag show. Despite being a writer and a performer on Saturday Night Live with Dana Carvey as a church lady and Terry Sweeney as Nancy Reagan. And I thought it was like, it, it's interesting that even a progressive person who is involved in show business, who's met so many people says they don't know what drag is and they've never been to one. What do you make of that? I think that's wild because if you were watching Dana Carvey be a woman, you were at a drag show. I don't. I yeah. Well, even but Ronald Reagan. Now these, <laughs> these footage and videos, Ronald Reagan in um, a lot of his films uh, for comedic purposes was cross-dressing <laughs> this is the army he there's a whole scene of ronald reagan you know the republicans number one golden ch hero uh and of course you know Ju rudy giuliani with Do uh, donald trump uh, dressed up as marilyn monroe it's it's interesting that they now feel like you know the cpac conferences the conservatives are like transgenderism must be eradicated which sounds very much like they want to just basically annihilate every trans person in the world right yeah. And I have to say with all of that too, like I've, there was, you know, squabbling back and forth with the viral Instagram post and whatnot. People are doing some serious mental gymnastics to get out of this one. Okay. There are like conservatives or, or liberals. I don't or know both. what these people are. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but except for confused yeah. about what's happening because some, some of the viewpoint is they're taking it at face value. Yeah. For what it is, it's a bill. They say that it's a bill to protect children. And there were instances where uh, drag queens are on video doing inappropriate things in front of children. There were instances where sexual predators were caught reading to children. And, you know, drag shouldn't be around children. Two things with that. It sexualizes drag. Drag is not always sexual. Queer people are not sexual. Right? We're people. <laughs> so they're sexualizing us. And then on top of that, the mm -hmm. 
they're they're missing the big picture here where it's it's an organized attack with an agenda in place to make life miserable and inhospitable for queer people that live in Texas. And there there are there are 140 bills right now that have to do with queer issues. And none of them are, are for our favor. None of them are like, let's make queer people's lives better. You know, let's bring down the price yeah, yeah. of eggs in this country. You know, Shit. Well, a lot of them, <laughs> you know. a lot of them are about the same thing worded in different ways so that we slip up and we don't show up one day to something that we thought we had covered already. You know, mm. they're doing they're doing this on purpose. There's an orchestrated attack and you can't deny it when you look at the big picture. Well, drag is one thing of a rainbow flag of many expressions and identities for LGBTQ plus people. And, you know, like I was thinking about this, it's like, why, why is it like trans and drag their center focus and not say like, you know, um, puppy play or sadomasochism or adult babies? Like, what is it about drag that makes it such an appetizing target for conservatives and corrupt politicians because it emasculates people when they find when they find it attractive we were, we well, were talking up about in diapers doesn't but I, I that puppy play and baby play is that's typically done in private environments and they're not like somebody's yeah. not dressing up as a baby or a puppy and reading kids books to kids you know usually they're, they're just either a, a stinker or a feeder they're either a stinker or a drinker. A stinker or a drinker. Yeah. They're usually either pooping them. in their diapers or they're sucking on something. And but even kids like are the, not usually involved in that situation. If every drag queen tomorrow stopped reading to kids in libraries, it would yes. be like ten things not happening. Right. You know, like they're not there weren't that many events in the first place. It was a very rare thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I, th- I think it's kind of strange that like they're all of a sudden like, this is a danger that's been happening all this time you know i'm like well what took you so long it was such an important thing yeah they well for you know it's a diversion tactic first and foremost but we were talking about like this guy who showed up yeah and for some reason he's from houston i don't know his name i'm not gonna share his name if i knew it but he was like trying to con us with a camera crew into saying gross things on film Oh, was he like a Breitbart or an Alex Jones person or something? Or kind of, but he's his own entity. Yeah, is it, 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 he, for people who don't know, in Austin, Texas, there's kind of an uh, industry <laughs> of right wingers who create media. For used to be on cable access, um, which I used to do cable access there, but now it's all on the internet, and conservatives are very easy to be hoodwinked into getting money. Um, and so they create these videos like showing, oh, look how scary the world is. And we, we are the only ones that can protect you. And so they go to things like this to try to create, you know, videos that um, they can make money from. And so they come up to you expecting you to say something really outrageous or so that I can capture it on on film, on video. And, and, and beyond yeah. that, I mean, mm-hmm. I've always I've always said money's at the root of everything. These people just want to make money. But this man was sick. Really? Like this man, this man testified and he's he's sick. What did he and say? Do you remember? It, uh, something about lesbianism equals death. Homosexuality equals death. They can't reproduce. Something about how transgender people are love children of gay people because we can't reproduce. I mean... Wild. How many kids does this guy have? 
what woman's going to have sex with him? I don't know, but we were talking, you know, because we had all day to talk and we're like, you know, to get back to your point about what is it that makes them so mad about mm. transgender stuff and drag and stuff. It's their sick minds, man. Like this guy looks at a drag queen or a gay person and thinks about sex immediately. Yeah. Mm. Well, sometimes they're pretty ladies, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll tell you this, if I, when I dress up in drag, it's like, you know, everybody wants to take their picture with me because I'm so gorgeous. Everybody wants to get close to Salsina. <laughs> You know, and that's the thing about it is like drag is fun. You know, it's like, uh, so, I mean, who I am and so much of, of what I do is informed by dressing up in drag in Austin, Texas in the early 90s. You know, and it's like uh, I, to me, it's it's not a these anti-drag and anti-trans laws is, is you know, for adults, for people who have sort of like built their communities and have established lives. You know, the Rue girls of the world, the people with careers and jobs they're not as much in danger as it is somebody who's like, you know, a teenager or a young person in college who's coming of age and they're trying to find their identity and find their community and drag becomes a really exciting and vital thing for them to explore who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like every uh, drag queen, every trans person uh, for, you know, has to at some point in time cross that boundary and these laws make it, you know, terrifying, even more terrifying. It's about controlling people well, and why punishing they, them. Yeah, they don't want those the don't say gay bills in schools, don't teach people about LG, LGBT people, because they're looking at, like, I think it's like 20 or 30% of, like, Gen Z kids, they don't identify as straight. Young people and, today, nobody's... Anything. Yeah, and so, yeah. I, and they're worried that, like, wow, it's going to happen more and more and more. And, you know, as this happens, hopefully they'll become more liberal and the conservatives are just like, oh, we, we need to stop this. So if we can stop them from identifying themselves as being this at a young age, then maybe they'll have really terrible self-esteem and we'll pray victim to every kind of terrible kind of uh, program that we have set up and in, in mind for them. But, you know, if we allow them to become self-actualized human beings, they might just stand up to our bullshit. Well, I truly believe that if you look at history, queer people have represented enlightenment and empowerment. And whenever there was a burgeoning queer scene in a metropolitan area or whatever, or even in a culture, it, was, it didn't have to be metropolitan. If an authoritarian dictator wanted to take over that, that country, queer people go underground, women lose their rights, and the art is destroyed. How do you feel about like the, the general shift and change that's happening in the last couple of years in this country post Trump and sort of where we are right now, post COVID. Are you worried? Are you scared? Oh, I don't, I don't get, I don't get scared. I get because, pissed. <laughs> yeah. I get mad. I don't get yeah. scared. I get mad Yeah, because I am so powerful and everyone that shows up that sh everyone that showed up, we had, an, we had a, a rally for trans rights today uh, that Jonathan Van Ness was at and several other, you know. Oh, did you get to meet him or them? Yeah, I met him. I, I met them. Did you guys uh, braid each other's hair? Did he do a makeover for you? <laughs> I I would have loved to ask some questions to them about my hair. Because uh, you both uh, um, kind of have a similar, you know, luxurious long, hair. Yeah, long, gorgeous, flowing hair, you know. And Jonathan yeah, Van Ness is known as a hairstylist on some kinds of reality TV shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
We I actually <laughs> took a picture with uh, JBN today, and everyone's commenting about the similarities between us. It's so. like twins. It's like a Freaky Friday. No, no, but it's not Freaky Friday. Is the what is that movie where she the twins meet in summer camp and they play pranks? Parent, Parent Trap. Trap. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Parent Trap with Jonathan and Van Ness. You could go back to Hollywood. And Jonathan Van Ness goes to your job teaching piano I to thought kids. I thought your doppelganger was the guy from the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> the music. Isn't, I thought he was. And you're like, no? you think your life is so hard, Jonathan Van Ness? You should try being me for one day. I'll take that bet. And he's like, these kids are all screaming and they're playing the piano and I can't. Because you actually work as a business person teaching music to children. I did. I, yeah. And that was part two of my testimony that yeah. I haven't posted yet. Um, yeah. Just because the part that I posted was so effective as a soundbite. But I do. I started my own studio, my piano voice creative songwriting studio a couple months ago. And a lot of people do really value me teaching your children. You well, know? because you, you come from a different background, different perspective, and you sort of like meeting I, kids where they're at. I exactly. I've been trained to I have a lot of experience and just like natural tendencies to be able to work with neurodivergent kids. Mm -hmm. And just I come at it from a different place. And uh, I had one of my parents tell me uh, straight up, we just pay you so you can be around our kid once a week. Oh, that's so sweet. Because their kid's really square and they want their kid to be like hip and groovy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's because I'm like a, you know, just like a, a an enriching perspective on the world for the kid. You're an anti-mame. Darling, yeah. we got to. So what, people don't know the movie Auntie Mae. Of course people know the movie Auntie Mae. Well, for those who don't, Mark, yeah. can you talk about that really quickly? Well, so she, Rosalind Russell. Rosalind Russell. She's an eccentric woman and she ends up having to take care of her nephew. Who's who's an orphan or? I guess he's an orphan. I guess the parents are dead. And so she takes him in. And so she's, you know, a bohemian. And so he's really, you know, comes from a square environment. And she raises him to be uh, uh, more bohemian. So it'd be this really wonderful, open-minded person. Yes. And so the film sort of is from the kid's perspective about how his world was opened by these eccentric bohemian personalities. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's, you know, it's, the, we're the engines, you know, RuPaul calls drag queens, the uh, foot soldiers, the Marines of the queer movement. But I, th I would say, you know, like bohemians, queer people, artists, entertainers, we all have, we are, you know, we really are the, the engine that drives society forward. We are. And that's why they're coming so hard for us right now. Because if there's change, then that means that change puts in question their ability to enrich themselves from corruption. Right. That's exactly right. And, um, one of the points that I made in my testimony was the fact that I'm not actually what you would consider a drag queen, but I still do drag. Well, you and Lady Lady Maga, uh, Lady Maga, uh, who is a Trumper, uh, just recently said that she is doesn't consider herself a drag queen, but is a costume artist. But we're not talking about crazy people, okay? <laughs> so Lady Maga describes herself as a costume artist. And I've noticed that, that a lot of drag queens 
have a hard time. You know, there's a uh, Coco Peru um, here in Chicago, Miss Fousey, certain drag queens that come from different backgrounds struggle with identifying as a drag queen or just being like, yeah, so I'm a drag queen, but I'm many other things as well. Like I'm a drag queen and people are always like, you're a drag queen. And it's like, yes, but I'm many other things as well. You know, I'll say, <laughs> why is it so hard for people to embrace being a drag queen in the first place? Well, for me, it's always been like being a drag queen is something specific. Like that is, you know, you ascribe to the culture and you really like want to be a female impersonator even if you're doing a monster or whatever you're still trying to be feminine in some aspects yeah and then you have drag kings and that's a different thing but it's all the umbrella of drag right and so i would you say like drag is a is a is the ingredient in your soup that you serve to the world yeah yeah so so you are in some way regards a drag queen it's just not how you primarily focus on or define yourself right there's nothing wrong with being a drag queen, but when I do what I do, that's one of the reasons why my testimony was so powerful. I people feel is because I want to present as masculine to show that men can look and act and be different ways. Mm -hmm. There are many ways mm -hmm. to say, I love you. There are many ways to express yourself and still be, right. you know, LGBT to be male, to be female, to be intersex, to be gender queer, to be trans. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. that was the big gotcha moment when I pulled out, you know, Gene Simmons and Motley Crue. <laughs> like, oh, you pulled out like a photograph of them or? No, I just dropped the names. Yeah. Right. So it's like Gene Simmons might not be a drag queen, you know, but he's doing drag as a demon. You know? <laughs> oh, they rallied against Kiss back in the day. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, especially since tongue. they call themselves knights in Satan's service. Oh, that was, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's funny because like, you know, there was never any municipality that I, that I know of that passed a law saying like Gene Simmons cannot come and perform here. You know? Oh yeah. Well, I think they did to Alice Cooper though. They did do that to Alice and Alice Cooper of course was progressive and Gene Simmons is more conservative. Right. But there's still, they're still borrowing from the concept of drag to put on a show. Yeah. And one thing too, that I didn't include in my testimony, but I I've heard on good authority from someone connected with WWE that they have said that they are not going to come and perform here in Texas. Why if not? this law passes. Cause it, cause they dress in drag or just as because they're doing a form of drag. Mm. That's, you know, that's the thing about it is like all these laws are being passed and certainly like DeSantis, you know, fucking around and finding out with Disney in LA, in Florida, it's uh, costing them a lot of money, but they just don't care as long as they're rich. You know, it's like uh, a photograph of Nashville's uh, the mayor is being passed around right now with their, their Christmas photo of this past year with their kids holding guns. And it's just like, and you know, these shootings are continuing and nobody, even us, we're, we're talking about, you know, drag and stuff. But of course this is feast of fun, not feast of, you know, politics, but uh, you know, to some degree it's like, 
it's it's um, you know we're not talking about inflation. We're not talking about corporate greed. We're not talking about universal health care. We're not pushing for those things. And now we're just sort of like trying to defend ourselves in other ways. And and it's, it's I'm really glad that you're actually and Jonathan Van Ness and a lot of sort of reality TV stars, even though they sat on their hands early on in this, you know, they were sort of like waiting and see. And a lot of them, you know, like you listen to their podcast, they're they're not, uh, you know, especially when this first started happening, they were kind of like, well, this, you know, we have to respect other people's cultures that, you know, it's like we don't want to be invading their space as we they don't want us. Inv-. And I was like, this is not about anybody invading anyone's space. This is about creating spaces that are safe where people can live their lives. Well, up until this point, I've never wanted to be very public with yeah. political stances because I feel that all they do is use and abuse people in the public arena. Yeah. Yeah. And then they move on to the next person and you just chew them up and spit them out to get people upset look away. And I didn't think that deserved attention. Right. Mm -hmm. But with what's happening now, it's like, there is, you know, like I've said, there's a concerted effort. There is a level here of what I'm going to call evil. I don't think every person on the street is evil. I think there's someone pulling the strings who is evil and they are, they are trying, these people are trying very hard to get, achieve an outcome. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the, what is it? The conservative Illuminati is, is a real thing. And it's like, oh, I forgot their name, but it's a, it's a conference that's been happening since Nixon. And so these like, you know, the Koch brothers, uh, the guy, the Fox News guy um, who is uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch mm-hmm. and all these Republicans meet together in secrecy. And they're just like, it's a think tank. And every year they're like, how are we going to fuck shit up? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if I believe in secret cabals and whatnot, but it's not, I do it's believe. No secrets. A lot, they, the conservatives have a lot of think tanks. They spend a lot of money yeah. thinking about ways to just kind of like create this kind of chaos and get the world that they want. And they have summits and, and meetings and all sorts of zoom meetings that like they're into <laughs> it, man. Yeah, I mean, there's there's literally a list of conservative think tanks, you know, yeah, that are very yeah. very well funded, and sometimes that money is comes from uh, dubious sources. Americans for Prosperity, the Capital Research Center, the Concerned Veterans for America, the Concerned Women's for America, the Conservative Reform Network, the Federalist Society. Everybody knows about them. Uh, the Galen Institute. That's probably one of the old. There's one that I was referring to. Heritage Foundation. Uh, I mean, you know, Goldwater Institute, Texas Public Policy Foundation, all these guys organize as a way of fighting diversity, fighting humanity in order to enrich themselves. It's just right. It, it's it's rotten. And, you know, and part of this is like we wouldn't have a lot of these problems if it wasn't for Fox News. And uh, a lot of uh, countries, a lot of uh, cities across the world are sort of passing these laws because they're seeing what's happening here in the United States and they're wanting to prevent that from happening to them. And because Australia is happening with this, the UK and the United States. And so they're passing all these like anti-propaganda laws. Right. And um, yeah, I. Well, on a, on a more fun note, though, you just came back from the Grammys 
and uh, you were surrounded by the who's who of the music industry. Yeah, I went to my own secret cabal. <laughs> How was it? Um, so that yeah. was my first time going to L.A. So what a wonderful way to go to L.A. for the first time, right? Yeah. Um, so this was like your, your record label said you have to go to the Grammys or you're invited or how, how did you get in and what did you, where were you at? And what did you wear? <laughs> so I actually um, was, I, I got Do It Baby is a single that I released over the past year and it actually got on to the very first rounds of ballots. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Somebody thought highly enough of me to nominate it uh, in the Academy. So I'm very grateful for that. But then that kind of put me on their radar as well as me looking more closely into them as an organization. So um, my wonderful manager is a member of the Recording Academy. And fingers crossed, I will be officially in June of this year. But Do you get I, to vote on the Grammys? I will get to put forth names and vote on who win, should win a Grammy, yes. Oh, wow. Will you vote for Taylor Swift? <laughs> I'm only voting, for, only voting for new artists and Beyonce. Okay. Why, why Taylor Swift, Mark? Well, because I guess she's coming out as a lesbian. She is? Well, she, her tour is all uh, lesbian iconography. She took the lesbian pride flag that you designed, Fausto, and it's her backdrop for it. And I guess the, the, she even wrote some kind of song with all the, listing all the colors in that all song. All the lyrics, I saw and that. Like, yeah. yeah, and it meant, uh, I guess she broke up with some kind of girl, allegedly. And if you play it backwards, yeah. it says, listen to Feast of Fun. Uh, <laughs> well, because, you know, a few years ago, she had like, you know, she was, you know, flaunting the bisexual colors, but I think she's coming into her own and I think we'll get a, a revelation soon. I've never thought of, of, you know, just like Queen Latifah, I've never thought of Taylor Swift not as a lesbian. Right. You know, and, and to me, me it's too. like, right? It's like, I'm like, who's she fooling? The music industry? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> as long as you don't say it, you can do anything. You know what I mean? And a lot of people will just accuse her of gay baiting or lesbo baiting. What do they call the lesbian baiting? Well, lesbian baiting is not the same thing as gay baiting because mm. I actually looked it up. Oh, it's not? So gay baiting as we know it is when, uh, like Harry Styles, uh, is you know heterosexual man. That we know of. That, well, in his real life, it, when the doors are closed and the windows are down, he's having sex and does not dress like that, you know? But on stage and in his performance, he likes to embrace a very um, queer aesthetic uh, because it's selling records and it's how he wants to express himself too. You know, it's fun to be queer, even when you're not. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you That's know? the nail on the head. It's, it's the fact that, like, we've put in our time creating queer culture in places, and he has not. Well, listen, this is has queer. I made this lesbian flag for everybody. And even, you know, heterosexual women pretending to be lesbians, it's for you as well. So what's the difference between gay baiting and lesbian baiting? So lesbian baiting is when somebody, uh, so it's a lesbian baiting is a homophobic and and sexist term. When uh, somebody's trying to hit on a woman and she declines and says, you're just a lesbian. Or when we see a powerful woman in a in a seat of charge, and you yell, "Dyke, Dyke, Lesbo," you know. So 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 that's lesbian baiting, and that's so those are two different terms and very different oh. things. So when we talk about Taylor Swift, she's 
she may not be a lesbian. She just may be enjoying queer culture. She likes queer culture. She likes to express herself with that. And so she, and you know, when I was coming up with the idea of the lesbian pride flag, I didn't intend this like, Hey, Hey ladies, this is your flag. (laughs) I didn't design it because I wanted women to use it. We designed it because that we were responding to a time magazine article cover story actually on cougars and women's sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I thought if bears can have the pride flag, why can't lipstick lesbians have the pride flag? And so I was thinking when I was at the pharmacy and I saw the rows of shades of lipstick, I thought this would make a great flag. And so I created a flag that had those colors and I put a a pair of lips on the upper left corner that, you know, looks like a bumper sticker or somebody's thing. And this uh, one woman on, on social media took the flag and passed it off as her own design. And since then she's uh come forward as an anti-trans person, as a conservative. And um, then another lesbian in Australia, she redesigned the flag, removed the lips and simplified it to resemble more closely the trans pride flag in response to her transphobia as wanting to make the lesbian flag more inclusive of all women. And that was my intention as well. It was for all lovers of the feminine. And since then, then every so often somebody goes after me on social media and tries to cancel me for being transphobic because I did not do enough to try to stop TERFs from using Mm -hmm. the flag that I made. And I'm like, this is like somebody steals your car and robs a bank and you're not going to be responsible for that bank robbery. And now that car is a bank is a backdrop to Taylor Swift. And <laughs> she's driving all over the country. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, this is why we make art. We don't know how the art we made. When we started podcasting, podcasts were people reading their blogs. People were not sitting around like friends, like you, the three of us are doing right now, talking about things that matter to them and trying to make each other laugh, trying to educate and inform and inspire each other. We didn't set out to do this, but that's what podcasting is today. And you never know what the consequences of art is going to be mm-hmm. and who's going to take ownership of it. So that's why it's so important when you make art to put the, the most wholesome, the best part of you, the, the most beautiful part of you into that artwork because you never know where it's going to wind up. Right on. Uh, Caleb, back to the uh, Grammys. So, which yeah, the Grammys? Which, Sorry, which, which uh, musical celebrities did you get drunk with? <laughs> well, we could have segued, but Taylor Swift was at the Grammys and she talked about the price of eggs. Did she really? She did. She yeah, did. Well, not. actually, uh, Trevor Noah asked her about the price of eggs, and she had no clue what was going on. She said, "I don't know. What do they, eggs cost? Fifty dollars? A hundred dollars? How much? How much could an $10? egg cost? Ten dollars?" Yeah. She's like Bill Gates with bananas on Ellen's show. Yeah. So that <laughs> happened. Um, the, the celebrity that I got closest to was Fran Drescher. Ah. From the, from the yeah. nanny. Yeah, who's just wonderful. Like, I, Did she have the nanny voice or did she have it toned down? Hey, Caleb, <laughs> how are you? No, it wasn't like that at all. I didn't, I didn't you know, I intermingled with mostly the Academy. I didn't really, I was, you know, I wasn't in the televised portion of the Grammys. Mr. So. DeCasper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, great. Did, what, did, what did Fran have to say? Oh, uh, not much. It's just the thing about like, 
I didn't expect to see Fran Drescher like so close or there. And uh, I remember her, seeing. Uh, no, I remember <laughs> seeing her dress and thinking, oh, that's a beautiful dress on a beautiful woman. And then I went home and my friend texted me and said, did you talk to Fran Drescher? Picture. Oh, my God. That was Fran Drescher. Oh, so you saw her. You didn't even know it was her. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the problem. Is like when you're so busy making art, you're just like you're not aware of all the other people are doing, you know, things. And then you just go up to these events and you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was in an elevator with them. You know, I know. Well, at this, you know, I'm not I'm not going to like target people and try and try to mind them for fame it's like i was naturally networking with everyone in the room and i just didn't have anything to say to friend treasure you know? <laughs> i didn't know who she was until yeah well here's a question uh you know you walk the red carpet lots of photos of you you know and i know that you saw a lot of other artists are are I know you've. this is your first time at the grammys but you're aware of the music industry and queer culture do you feel like music in general or pop culture is getting queer just based on fashion alone i do so so my my take on that was that was a very queer and very black centric uh-huh. grammys and i loved every second of it i hope that it's not for show and they actually mean it right because in entertainment things are fickle yeah and what's so, popular one day won't be popular tomorrow you know right. like like in the nineties, uh, it was really popular for lesbians to be pop stars. Uh, Katie Lang, Sadie yeah. Hawkins, Sophie B. Hawkins. Uh, they were all like omnisexual or lesbian chic or all this other stuff. That's why seeing, you know, top tier artists borrow from queer culture kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes because for all the good things they're doing, they also could be tricking queer people into feeling safe because other people like what we like right now. Mm. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's definitely has that, that idea that somebody's cashing in on their privilege. And if you were a queer person doing queer culture, you're not going to be as financially successful as somebody who isn't queer cashing in on queer culture. And, but you know, it's like, you know, I built this playground for everybody to have fun in. And, you know, unfortunately it's the rich kids who can, go to the playground, the poor kids have, their parents have to work, you know, and so they can't take them to the playground. Right. But look at me. I mean, I was like, I'm not going to say that I came from like, like a poor background, but I came from like a normal rural American background. And I was at the Grammys this year. What, what isn't your family stock. like next door neighbors to Dolly Parton's family in the Appalachian mountains? <laughs> yeah. Where are you are originally from? Where are you originally from, though, your family? is the Appalachians. Is South it? Carolina. South Carolina. No, 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 not South Carolina. Um, North Carolina. The, the Blue Ridge Mountains, yeah. That's not too far from uh, Dolly Parton land. That is Dolly Parton. Yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a point where you can stand on a mountain in North Carolina and, like, look at four states at once. So, Yeah. And to this date, uh, Dolly Parton has not said anything, despite all the memes with her saying it's like, if they're going to arrest drag queens, they're going to have to arrest me, too. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're showing yeah. a picture of a drag queen that looks like Dolly and acting like she said that. And they're like, that's not her. That's not even Dolly Parton. No. Yeah. It's like, People are so easily bamboozled, y'all. Mm. Well, listen, you know, 
I love Dolly Parton. She's done a lot for literacy. She literally has is sending books, free books, millions of dollars in free books to kids all over the country. But are they queer books? <laughs> it's not the one about the two penguins giving oh. birth to a baby. The gay penguin book, you know. I, I don't I don't know what what she's waiting for, but I I do know that as as a person that people pay attention to, like I don't want to be this fiery person. Like I don't want to have to sound the alarm on things. I want people to come together and and notice the good things in each other. And so I really don't want to be divisive when I talk about this stuff. Neither does and Dolly so, Parton. You know, I think that's part of the thing. It's like she's of a different generation, but you know, like m my mother was friends, very close friends with Terrence McNally and talking about like gay culture, gay liberation with him, you know, he had a very different perspective where it was like, in some ways it was none of his business, even though later on in his life, he became that person. But early on in his life, he was just strictly a playwright and he was one of the most prolific playwrights Broadway ever had. Um, I mean, he wrote like 20 of the major shows ever on Broadway, you know? Um, and, and, but at the same time, and like Dolly Parton with, with all her career and how she's touched and reached out so many people, she has basically an old school way of thinking about community and politics. And, you know, she says there's, too, there are already too many boobs in the white house, you know? And so she's always trying to sort of like take the both sides approach, which unfortunately is a right wing meme and, and it dissuades people from sort of like scrutinizing and drawing attention to who's actually behind she's all this. She's just trying to collect some money. You know, she doesn't want to piss off any of her fan bases. She's got plenty of money. I know, but you know what? The, the, you always need more. Those books don't you're, buy themselves. You're never wrong, though. You're never wrong telling people to love each other. And you never, you yeah. know, so there, there are, there are, I can't think of the right word for this right now because I'm so tired from being at the Capitol all day. But it's like there are truthisms, I guess yeah. we'll say that you can spew as a public figure and do a lot of good. And it's scary to think that you could tarnish that power. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, do you think Which that, is where, yeah. where I was, yeah, where yeah. I was a week ago and now I'm all like, I've seen it. I've seen the evil and I have to tell people what's happening, you know, but there's also like a really fun aspect of the Grammys. And it was like being around other musicians and other creative people who are making it and, and that it's important to be in those kind of spaces because so much of what we do, like Mark and I went to the Arnold Expo in Columbus, Ohio, and it was just like, you know, hanging out and talking to Carter Kissick, who's my, you know, soul brother on Instagram. It was just, you know, somebody who wants to do similar things and, and is, and is succeeding. You know, we all think that we're sort of like struggling, but from another person's perspective, they think you're hitting it out a home run. You're right. And, and for you to sort of go to the Grammys, you come back energized, you come back ready to face the next day because nobody does this stuff alone. You have to be around a community, around people who get your fire ignited. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right now at this moment, like the community and the queer community in Texas is, is very strong and uh, we're, we have each other's backs. Um, 
the you know a lot of my fans are would consider themselves cis heteronormative people and they're showing up and there is a very strong sense of community here right now with what's going on well that's the that's the sort of the tragedy of being you know uh, a misfit you know it's a, sometimes it's like you don't really appreciate the people in your community until you're on both under attack right uh, yeah you, know? you have that common enemy gives you a bond yeah yeah I mean, you know, um, here's somebody who, I mean, influenced so many people here in Chicago who just passed away at this age of 51, Jojo Baby, who was a big part of our live shows. And this Sunday uh, from 7 to 11. Sunday, April 9th. April 9th. So people that want to go to this, is there, there's a celebration of their life at Smart Bar in Chicago. At Metro, yeah. At Metro. Mm -hmm. So you can go there and, and look back and reflect and be part of the community that you may have not necessarily seen in a while uh, to celebrate this important and influential queer icon and what they left behind. And, you know, ultimately, it's like, you know, our, we are like, you know, what is it? The, the Ozymandias poem? <laughs> it's like, you can build the Sphinx. And the sands of time will erode that too. Mm. But the only thing we leave behind is the love that we have for each other. And these hateful, petty politicians, they will be forgotten. But the love and the community that we build for each other, because what is love? Love is the relationship we have with each other. That transcends time. That is immortality. Right. You know, that's what, uh, that's why all these Christians and all this stuff, they're obsessed with immortality. Love is immortality. And, you know, those petty tyrants, those vain kings, those corrupt uh, monsters, there will be, they will be soon forgotten. We don't remember who are the corrupt politicians. We don't remember when, Napoleon. We don't remember Hitler. We don't remember Genghis Khan. <laughs> I'm saying, think about the corrupt politicians yeah. at the time of Washington. President Washington, do you know, nobody knows those people, you know, we know, yeah. we know the, because they're on the money. We know, yeah. uh, you know, Jackson, but it's like, you know, in, in, in 500, a thousand years, we don't remember any of these people, you know, it's like they will be forgotten in the sands of time. We don't know what the Egyptian dynasties were, you know, but I know the That's relationship those people had is passed on from family to family, child to adult, through the course of time, and that's why we are here to contemplate all these things. That's a good point. Caleb, so, how's your love life? <laughs> <laughs> how's the dating scene in Austin for a rock and roll star? Austin specific. Um, you know, I've actually turned it more into a dating scene for myself, you know, and supposed to like a hookup scene. Yeah. I have been on quite a few dates with several different people. And what I'm learning is that when you get out in your community and work on things with other people, you find people's minds very attractive, right? Oh, so you're dating ugly people now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying that it's great to be meeting people and doing things in an alcohol, maybe without, I mean, I just screwed that all up in an environment without alcohol sometimes. Oh, so instead right? of being bars, you're, you're, you're going to plannings and meetings and, and, and finding like interesting people to talk to. 
Yeah, or the park in the daytime, right? Oh, the park in the daytime. <laughs> Peas Park. Well, that was it. That was the nineties. Is that a good cruising spot? It's no longer, is it? Well, you can cruise there. Well, Mark, you're a big fan of, a, of an app that shows you where to. Yeah, you can go on Sniffies and you can look. Sniffies. Sniffies. It's not an ad. It's a website, really. Um, yeah, because I guess I'm you can. I'm making a joke. No. Oh, but yeah, but I, I was like, you know, there's dating apps. There's, I mean, there's so much opportunities. And I think a lot of these uh, anti, not to get back to those things, but it's like, this is like trying to push us back into these like dark bars. You know, right. like Marsha P. Johnson was killed by the mob, according to the Netflix documentary. Well, we don't know the, the mob or the cops or both or both. She was in the middle of saying, like, you know, Stonewall never, never ended. Like the mob still owns all the gay bars mostly. And, you know, for with the, some exceptions, obviously. But, you know, that that queer people sort of like going out into the sunshine, into the streets, into our community is is a big threat to them. And they want us to sort of hide in the darkness. Mm. That's a lot. And that, you know, part of it is like when I was in Austin coming of age, act up and the AIDS crisis was a big thing. And, and there was nothing sexier than meeting somebody who was funny, smart and savvy mm -hmm. and politically active. All that protesting gets you horny. It does. Because you're like. You're what do you think is going to happen? Day. What do you think is going to happen? That's what I'm saying. Though. People, seeing people be earnest and intelligent is very attractive. Mm. Well, so. you don't know if you're going to get arrested. You don't know if something bad's going to happen, right? And so that tension is got to release it. You got to release it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's like. How to hook up. Yeah, how to hook up at a protest. Go to your state capitol. And <laughs> it's a very elaborate, <laughs> but a very, for social good, you know. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's like so many, I know so many people who married the partners that they met at these kind of oh. events. I mean, uh, back when like uh, prop eight was happening, Fausto used to go to more of these, the protests and stuff. And we did some BLM, BLM stuff, but, um, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, yeah. I, which wasn't as good for hooking up, I think, as the <laughs> the, pro, the the gay marriage protest once was a little more. Because it was, you know. More romantic. Yeah, it was a little yeah. more romantic than, you know, begging people not to murder people. Um so yeah, it was, it was fun to, you know, talk to people and meet people and see people. And I mean, I wasn't in the market for hooking up, but you could definitely see that there was a lot of romance in the air and those kinds of things. Yeah. But that's, that's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. It's, you have to build community. It's, it's energizing and it's community and you're, you know, I've been going to these things and just seeing not not having any social anxiety or cares at all about going up to people and giving them a hug because we're oh, here again, you know? That's so sweet. So, But also, we keep mixing in the Grammys and the Recording Academy with this, and I want to say, like, that those people were a great community as well for me, mm. like, while I was there. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's important to go, if you can go to the Grammys, go to the Grammys. And, yeah, you know, there's criticism that, like, Grammys aren't real awards or that it's celebrating, you know, the corporate music or corporate rock still sucks and, and so on. But it's also an opportunity just to be around people that make and do the same things you do. Yes. And celebrate each other and learn from each other, inspire each other. Yes. You know, and get so, drunk. How many people did you get in fights with? <laughs> oh, God, don't. Don't expose me like that. <laughs> You're a rock and roller. You did smash a TV set, right? They don't have TV set anymore. It's uh, flat screens. Well, you can still smash They're behind those. bulletproof glass. <laughs> you can't smash Please tell them. me you destroyed a hotel room. 
I'm not I'm not that deviant yet, but uh, you know, I was I was asked to calm down several times. Dude, I heard about this <laughs> that that uh Rolling Stones lead singer Mick Jagger was originally considered and cast in Rocky Horror Picture Show as Dr. Frankenfurter, but they couldn't ensure the movie because he was always wrecking hotel rooms. And so I've, they, I've they, heard that they cast Tim Curry, the original, thank God, you know? So, you know, everybody's like, Oh, you know, be a rock star. It's like, that's wrecking hotel rooms is not a good thing to do for your career. <laughs> Kids don't wreck it. The more, you know, well, it gets you a press release or something like that. Or little, you know, any, any press is good press. Kids. Don't wreck hotel rooms. It's going to get in your career. Well, also, Richard O'Brien fought for Tim Curry. Yeah. He really wanted him. But 20th Century Fox was like, we need a star. Yeah. And I guess, uh, what is it? Uh, well, you got to see uh, yeah. you got to see Mick Jagger kind of do his best uh, Frank Inferter in the movie Bent, where he plays a cabaret artist. And it's very, uh, it's very. Derivative uh, of that. Very Dr. Frank Inferter. Yeah. Yes. How you do I? See, you've come to my cabaret. <laughs> You're a little brought down, but the waitress will be bringing you drinks, and there's a two-drink minimum. <laughs> the bathroom's the Nazis, over there. Three drink. Three minimum. drink minimum. <laughs> I'm just a cabaret singer from Berlin, <laughs> Germany. The intermission will be 15 minutes. Ha <laughs> ha. Very original. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people compare you to to certainly has a lot of uh, Tim Curry in, in your stage act, you know. You know, that's that's fresh. That's on everyone's minds after they see me. They're like, do you um, know someone named Tim Curry? Have you seen Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah. Have you auditioned for RuPaul's Drag Race? Have you ever played the clown it? <laughs> it was you remind me of that. You remind me of that. Yeah. Well, it's better to be reminded of Tim Curry and Rocky Horror Picture Show than, you know, the Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> or the or the when he was that big ugly Satan character in that movie. In Labyrinth with Tom Cruise. Well, no, not Labyrinth. That was David Bowie. No, he the, was uh, What was that What was the What's that movie with the legend, unicorn? Legend. Yeah, Legend. And the, the plot of that movie is so lame. Do you know do you remember what that was? It was like the the princess couldn't touch a unicorn. So she touches a unicorn and all hell breaks loose. Literally. Yeah. yeah. And Tom Cruise has to save her from Satan, which is played yeah. by Tim Curry. And you're just like, I want the Satan to win. <laughs> it's like, I, you want, you want more from Tim Curry in that movie. And he's like, you know, I guess he was under contract at the time or something like they didn't have scenes together. So it's like, it's kind of like um, it's, it's Sex a, in the City with Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, if you look at the scenes that they're in, they're not in the same room or they're on the phone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like Tom Cruise and Tim Curry are not in the same room when they're filming their scenes. Yeah, they're looking at each other, you know, or they're on the phone. <laughs> Hello, is this Satan? Yes, <laughs> I have the unicorn and the princess. 
<laughs> well, I'm coming over yeah, to pick them up. Seen this movie. It's been a while, but I, I feel like uh, Tim uh, Tim Curry is barely in it. Yeah, he's barely in it. It's like he's you know you watch that movie, you're like, I want to see Tim Curry. I want to see Tim Curry. And you're like, I know. There's going to be a new season of uh, Sex in the City coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, with more uh, you know more pa- uh, Cynthia Nixon and. And the uh, controversial she's got her hair red back now. It's I guess, in. yeah, she's back. Classic, classic, Cindy. Cindy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, still, Kim Cattrall's still not on it that we know of. Yeah, she might make a cameo like "My Planet Needs Me." <laughs> <laughs> well, and Carrie's other love interest, I forget what his name was. He's going to be in in this season. The guy that uh, she dated in not big. big. Yeah. yeah, well, he's dead. Your so. dad, big dad. Uh, Chris Noth. For a long time, Mark and Chris Noth looked so much like each other that Mark going out in public, everyone was like, are you Chris Noth? Are you related to Chris Noth? And you would tell him, like, my name is John. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God. I told one girl that I worked with, uh, uh, she was at my job, uh, that uh, he was my dad, but we don't talk because he was a real jerk to my mom. And she's just like, I knew it. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just kidding. But you guys really, really do look like names. each other. I think we used to back in the 90s yeah. and the early 2000s and stuff, but I think we've kind of like. Well, you have a beard. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's gotten really old looking. I've re- retained my youthful good looks. <laughs> so you look at Chris Noth 20 years ago. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I mean, you're also younger than Chris Noth, so. Only by like seven or eight years. Age is just a number. Gender's mm-hmm. just a letter. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I saw you post that. What? Oh, my God. That had to delete all this transphobic shit from people. They're like, I don't think that trans people would want to be reduced to a letter. And I'm mm. like, oh, my God. Do I have to explain what driver's license are to you? Mm. <laughs> I was like, really? Because I guess, you know, half of the states in the, in, in the United States now, you can do an X. Oh, really? That many? That many. Thanks to Lake James Paraguay. Yeah. Starting Oregon. it in Oregon. I know. Yeah. Yes. I. What is yeah. the, the marker on your driver's license, Caleb? On me? Yeah. What a personal question. It's an X, Y, Z. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> It's interesting because I think this fun is a safe space for people. Anti-trans, anti-drag laws, and you know, all these corporations and businesses are wanting people to talk about their pronouns. And I'm kind of like, you know, some trans people are, are hiding in plain sight. Like asking somebody to reveal their pronouns when they don't sync up with what they're appearing like or whatever. You know, if someone wants to be using certain pronouns, they're going to let you know. But yeah. asking people like point blank the way I just did, you know, <laughs> in a workplace environment is I think it's kind of like questionable because right now there's all these laws being passed and you're putting people in danger at the very least. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Fausto. So, <laughs> yeah. no, I my driver's license uh, says a prime and then I a prime. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. I was trying to make a joke about blood types. Oh, a pl- uh, it's a positive. Uh-huh. You have a positive blood? That's pretty rare. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, but everybody's let me obsessed you, about the, the gender. Nobody talks about the blood types. Yeah, vampires. that's more important. Because aren't that's you like also identify as a vampire, too? I do. Yeah. I and do. And a witch. And I, I don't know how I can be both, but I can. Listen, um, I'm a vampire, a werewolf, a fairy, and a time traveler. So I'm right there with you. 
<laughs> I don't even know Sorry. what year this is. Okay. I'm always like, quick. I'm like, like doc from back to the future. What year is this? They're like, that is the <laughs> stupidest question I've ever heard. And of course it's always in January that I'm asking that question at the <laughs> bank. <laughs> No, but I mean, you you do, uh, we watched what we do in the shadows and I was like, you know, this is pretty much my life. <laughs> Me too. All that purple, all that Technicolor. Me Guillermo, too. Guillermo, I want to start Guillermo. a nightclub for vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I have to finish that episode. I know. It's such a good show. It's like, that really speaks to me. My, my wickedness. Yeah, I love that show. I cycle in between being each one of the vampires every day. What does it mean? Like, in, in, if, if you were to describe what it means to be a vampire to somebody who doesn't know anything about vampires, what does that mean to you? Well, to me, and like, you know, I, I got a very loose, like, I don't ascribe to it as my, not my religion or anything, but I will tell you, I've always been fascinated with vampiric empirical things i guess mm -hmm. i'd say vampire culture right vampire history um i primarily go out at night i think that all <laughs> i think that all musicians are vampires just fyi but i also think that i'm very sensitive to energy that radiates off of other people mm -hmm. and uh I think that, you know, it's not sucking blood, but it's like manipulating or feeling other people's energy. You glamour right? them. Yeah. You're a very persuasive <laughs> person. Oh, you know, well, you're a people it, person, but you're also very persuasive and, and time and history and culture are very fluid for you as it is for me. So like what something happened in the 1970s and what happened this afternoon are sort of almost interchangeable. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of physics, but now we're just confusing the viewers. So the listeners, unless they're taking yeah. acid right now, they're <laughs> they're viewing the show. <laughs> no, but it is, you know, it, part of it is in the great picture schemes. The arc of justice is, you know, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, the arc of justice bends, bends towards towards the queerness justice. <laughs> Bends and bends and snaps and snaps. Bends and snap. That's so okay. Caleb, when, yeah. you go, when are you going on tour with the band? Any plans uh, yet? So actually, the next time we're uh, in a couple weeks, um, I'm going to they put they put me on as direct support for boyfriend uh, at Art Car Ball in Houston on April 14th. And so we have planned a small Texas tour to go with that. Got out of a meeting today about doing a really fun. I don't know how much I can talk because the plans aren't confirmed don't yet. But I will say, I will say that I will be in uh, Southern California in June again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I hope you run into Fran Drescher and you get to say, "Hey, Fran." Hey girl. I hope I do too. Hey, I hope I do too. Well, people can follow you on uh, Instagram, Caleb DeCasper, like the friendly ghost, or you're the friendly vampire. Rock ghost and, vampire. Austin prevailing. Austin's prevailing rock and roll glamour boy. Oh. And 
part-time vampire for hire. <laughs> this vampire is for hire. Yeah. I will I will I'm good at sucking. And that's what my van says. You have a van? No, but if I had a business as a vampire, <laughs> I would have a van. <laughs> Gotta transport those uh blood bags around, you know? Well yeah. everybody focuses on the vampire drinking the blood, and that's not it, 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 you know, the way I, th- I, I talk about bl- vampires is the same way, like old women who are wise and educated and close to nature are seen as witches and they don't eat babies or children, you know, some do that's right wing propaganda, mm-hmm. you know, it's like anything that's different, anything that's like close to nature, anything that's countercultural is like, you always notice that they're always violent. They're the one I was like, I'm sorry, but in terms of body count, Vampires have hardly harmed anybody. Christians have like killed so many people in the first 200 years of colonialism. It lowered the planet's temperature and the Thames River in England froze. Thames. Thames. Yeah. Well, we have to say, I have to clarify. Um, I like to, I know it's just, we keep using more and more words for people, but I like to say now Christians or true Christians, because like today at the rally, there were a ton of pre, uh, not probably not priests, but like a ton of people with collars and robes on and they were there for a good cause, you know? So I hate to lump people like that in with people. Hey, you who- know what? I would say physician, heal thyself and thy community. Because I'm very comfortable in criticizing LGBTQ people on this platform, but I don't hear a lot of ministers enough ministers and Christians mm. drawing, you know, scrutinizing and asking their people to step up and be better human beings, you know, uh, yeah, uh, publicly on, on the national platform. Step yes. Up, but, you know, Christians yeah. take your religion, you know, whatever is your religion you want it to be, make it happen because you know, these, these guys, I mean, Trump, a Christian, please. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe he is, you know, and, and I'm glad that uh, people of all faiths are stepping up and speaking against this injustice. And certainly vampires and Christians have more in common than they don't. And they then they would like to believe. Yes, they both drink blood and call it the blood of Christ or salvation. You know, <laughs> they're both <laughs> drinking blood and it's both metaphorical, of course. You sure. Know? What do you mean, sure? Sure, Jan. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, just let me have a sip. Uh, Did you ever have a communion when you were a kid? uh, Like, were you an altar boy or anything like that? No, I didn't. I didn't do that. Um, What was your family's faith like when you were growing up as a child? Well, I grew up Presbyterian. Okay, so that's the that's some liberals. That is, you have to be careful because everyone's broken off into different sects at this point. But uh, Presbyterians are known for being more progressive. Yes, yeah, that's what Mister Rogers was. You know, yeah, and and he was like you know the golden child in his day. Now Fox News says that everybody's ruined their life. Mister Rogers ruined their lives. <laughs> I was like, because people don't deserve to be loved unconditionally. I mean, you know, at a certain point, it's like with so much anti-child stuff, it's like, when are people going to stop listening to Republicans about anything? 
It'll be a very, 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 very long time. Not in your lifetime. Not Well, you know, we didn't think that marriage equality would happen. And then all of a sudden it happened, you know? That's true. But I, I do think if they keep pushing and, and we keep showing up, I think people are going to become wise to the situation. Well, so. I'm glad that you're part of that movement and certainly the world is a better place with you in it. And we absolutely adore you. Keep on Thank rocking you. on. Vaughn in the free world. Caleb okay. Vaughn DeCasper. <laughs> Just DeCasper. <laughs> of the Carolina DeCasper. Of the Carolina DeCasper. Well, we always have such a good time hanging out with you in Austin when we come down to visit. And hopefully yeah. we'll be down to visit soon. We can hang again. Yes, I hope so. Or I hope something brings me to Chicago soon. Well, you, can, you can crash here. We got space for you. You know, yeah, just come visit. You can snuggle up with Jesse. Oh, yes. He's like, where's Caleb? I miss him. <laughs> he, he's like, you got you got a treat. You got something I can eat. <laughs> uh, well, Caleb, have a wonderful rest of your uh, your day starting right now because we're taping this at night, right? For vampires. Yes, we are. I'm actually about to go out and do many things. How exciting! Do those yeah. many things. Yes. All right. Well, love you so much. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with us today. Yes, I love you both too, and thank you for uh, wanting to ask me about everything that's been going on. You know, from a primary source. Of course, we're just so worried. I'm glad somebody that we knew or that we're close to is involved in the action. Yeah, you're doing the Lord's work. Um, thank you. Love you, Caleb. Bye, Caleb. I love you. Bye. Bye. Caleb DeCasper lives in Austin, Texas. Follow Caleb DeCasper, like the friendly ghost mm -hmm. or the friendly vampire. Mm -hmm on Instagram and social media, just how it sounds. And of course, we put links in the notes on today's podcast. And of course, if you like the show, share it with your friends and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. Tell people what you think about Feast of Fun, honey. Original and still the best. <laughs> Let the world know. Let the world know. We are here, yes. we are queer, and we are fabulous. What are you making of all, all these, uh, not just the drag bills, but also the response to all these anti-trans and drag bills? Well, it, I think that they feel like this is an easy target, and so it's a way to kind of divide our LGBTQ uh, plus energy. community and our energy, and it's taxing, because uh, I think that they're like, well, you know, most people just cared about gay marriage, and now that that's over, like nobody's going to care about these things. But I think that they've got it wrong. I think that as a community, we're starting to see people pull together, and we're like, because we know this is just the tip of the iceberg for them. It's like they're going to try and get this, and then more, and then more, and more. And uh, as much as uh, you know, voting might not take place until like, well, here in Chicago, like next week, but or or next year, uh, you you got to get out there. You got to get these Republicans out of office. You know, you, mm. we need majorities in, in the Senate and in the House of Congress to to get anything done, because even with the Democratic majority, it's still hard to get politicians to do anything that's that's decent. Well, because some Republicans run as Democrats, yeah. <laughs> so they literally switch parties and win. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have Manchin in, in Virginia, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, West yeah, Virginia Seminaya or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and part of it is like also some people are like, well, I don't know any drag queens. I don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, that's not what it's that's just this the has nothing to do with any of that, you know, certainly mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why RuPaul and all these Ru girls were slow to respond to it is because it didn't really affect them. 
you know, and, and people are like, well, I find drag queens annoying or tacky. And it's like, that still shouldn't be a crime. Right. You know, just because somebody's wearing fuchsia with, with orange. I'm not a NASCAR fan. Doesn't you know? mean I want to ban racing. Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of Harry Styles. I appreciate Harry Styles. I love Harry. But I, Harry, I call me. When, you want to kind yeah, of, you want to gay bait some more? With me? <laughs> Listen, I'll do all sorts of kind of baiting with um, do, do, whatever do, kind do, of bait do, he do. wants to do. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Go, go for it, Harry. Yes. <laughs> Harry, drag, you drag find is a, my number. There are many ways to say I love you. Drag can be many things to many people. Mm. And so it's like part of it is they're they're going after these things because it's it's intentionally vague and they can just do whatever they want. So reach out to someone, support a drag queen, uh, send some love to somebody who is non-conforming, the bohemians in your life, make their lives better. And we want to thank you guys so much for listening to Feast of Fun. Remember, you can subscribe on all the podcast platforms, but you can actually listen to the show without any ads. And you can do that at feastoffun.com slash plus or through our Patreon at patreon.com slash feastoffun. And listen to our sister or sibling podcast, Let's Grow Big Together. It's definitely the sister podcast. The sister podcast. (laughs) You know, I like to be gender inclusive. The shit, Let's Grow Big Together. About... Uh, yeah, you know, fitness and bodybuilding and muscle worship, muscle, muscle gods, building muscle, muscle gods, All and those muscle sexy worship. Men's. And we're starting a new podcast. Uh, out, let's go walking. Mm-hmm. Or where's it called? Out. We haven't, walk we, it haven't, out. We, we haven't decided on the title yet. But the irony is, like, it's about walking, and uh, and people are like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> but it's a really exciting new show. We are de- in development right now. And I just like injured my heel. So we're behind on it because mm. I hadn't been able to walk so well because I got a brand new pair of shoes and they didn't fit and they messed up my heel. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't walk. So I'm feeling better now. So hopefully that'll be uh, coming near the pipeline. Of course, my birthday's around the corner. April 16th. Yes, honey. I'm going to mm. be turning 21 finally. Isn't that nice? Finally, after all these years. I'm an adult. Yay. You finally vote. Yay. I'm returning 21 and be able to uh, serenade my suitors. I am 20, going on 21, innocent as a rose. Drinker of brandies, bachelor dandies. What do I know of those? Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. You've got to give yourself up